0: Welcome to Broker to Broker, brought to you by AIM, the Association of Independent Mortgage Experts. If you haven't listened yet, Broker to Broker dives into the nitty gritty of the mortgage business by interviewing independent brokers and loan originators just like me. Hope you enjoy the show. Today's episode is brought to you by Fund Loans, an exception based non-QM and jumbo wholesale lender that provides a make sense lending experience get connected with fun loans by logging into the aim member portal at brokersorbetter.com. welcome back everyone to a, another edition of the broker to broker podcast my name is mark Summers. i am the president of membership with aim uh also have my own broker shop uh in michigan called priority mortgage lending um been around for a little over 20 years doing this mortgage broker stuff and i always love talking to people Who know what they're talking about as well. And that's what this podcast is all about. So today I'm very, very excited. We'll be interviewing a mortgage broker with you mortgage. Her name is Rebecca Richardson. Rebecca, thanks for joining us today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Oh yeah. So we're going to have a little fun with this. Um, I know, I know you're very good in front of the camera, very good speaking. So this should be, this should be actually really easy, really easy. So let's just hop right into this here real quick. All right. Now I know you've been around a while. You got a lot of things going on in regards to mortgages. Do me a favor here. Tell me your history of how you got started in mortgages, kind of kind of your timeline of what happened, and then tell me what you're doing now.
1: For sure. So I graduated from the University of North Carolina, um, Chapel Hill. I think there's probably some paraphernalia behind me here uh, to give some. Hold context on here. To... Cut
0: cut this podcast. I know. Cut this podcast right away. I'm I'm, I'm I'm a Duke fan, so this is this is bad. Right, you know really what?
1: bad. I, I'm sorry, guys. Sorry, it's 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 going to be a three minute podcast. I'll, I'll give you back your time. You know, to to use that awful phrase, I'll give you back your time that you thought oh, you yeah. were going to spend on this podcast. So, um, so yes, you can make uh, jokes at my and my my team's um expense for the whole podcast. Um, yes, carrying no, on. but but
0: also we can get along. We can get along. We're okay. Go ahead.
1: It'll be fine. It'll be fine. We'll be we'll be fine. If cats and dogs can get along, I'm sure we will be all right. Um, just maybe not during the month of March month of March. Um, So when I was there, um, because I thought that I wanted to be a physical therapist until I was able to intern and kind of figured out, okay, I love the science, but I don't think that this is a career path I want. I wound up reading some books um, and got interested in financial planning. Didn't know what really financial planning was, talked my way into a financial planner's office and said, if you'll, you know, let me label files or do whatever, I would just like to observe and, you know, kind of learn what this is all about. And I wound up working for him the last two years that I was there, so after graduation, um, then moved with my then husband at, uh, to Clarksville, Tennessee. So, which is a completely different community than Chapel Hill. And, um, we had bought a house and realtor came to check up on us and said, how is everything going? Love the house. It's great. I'm glad to be in it. Um, but I need a job. Um, cause I had just, you know, put myself through college and didn't really know anybody. So he introduced me to a mortgage company and said, go over there. You can, you know, be a processor or something. And, um, Went, had a great interview, had a great conversation. And the owner of the company said, so you, because I said, I don't know what a processor is or or really anything to do with the mortgage business. But if you'll tell me what it is, I will work hard and I'll make you money. And he says, you want a job that is not available and you don't know what you're doing. Yes. <laughs> well, sure. Well put. <laughs> sure. Whatever. Yes, let's do that. And, um, and he said, well, have you thought about being an originator? And that's really how I got started. So it was very much, I got started in 2001. And it was essentially the you know throw into the deep end of the pool. I mean, at the time, Tennessee didn't even have state licensing, um, so it was essentially here's some rate sheets, here's some business cards. Don't hurt yourself. Um, go see what you can bring in, and we'll we'll show you how to structure a loan. Um, which doesn't work really well for my personality. I like to have the details, you know. Um, And so thankfully, a processor really trained me on what a good loan structure looks like, what a well documented file looks like, what the difference between FHA conventional and VA are. And, um, And I wound up living there and working there for three years. And I just fell in love with the business. I love the analytical side of it. I tell clients it's like an algebra equation meets a rubik's cube but then i really love the the human aspect of it and understanding what people's stories are what their goals are and being able to play a small role in that you know in their lives so that's what i've i've done ever since and i still i still really really love it
0: perfect no i mean that's great no you got started around the same time i did and i i call those days back then the wild wild west it was Fair anyone not. just sign an application. Everyone just sign an application, and you can get paid on it. It's not that big of a deal. So then, you, okay. So you you've done all that. Now, what what's currently going on with you right now?
1: So what what's kind of the most recent um, sort of iteration of of my my you know career is actually connecting with my two business partners, Ariel Best and Nate Fain, who we connected, ironically enough, on TikTok. Um, and forming a team um, just because of the way that we do business, because we primarily can, you know, connect with our clients online. Um, It's kind of the direct to consumer model, but on the loan officer level. Um, So we teamed up last year and then came over to Mortgage together to then form a team to really align with that business model, with those ideals, you know, truly being, um, you know, an elite team of loan specialists who really, we really, really know, you know, how to structure a loan, how to, how to deal with, you know, these complex loans to make sure that we're, ser- you know, serving our community well.
0: Now, and you mentor other people doing this too, right?
1: hmm Absolutely. Yep. So we have a team around 12 now. Um, so we have both um, an intake team, um, which I know we're going to talk about in a little bit, just kind of that, you know, file flow and, and, and lead management Um, But we have an intake team and then we have other loan officers on our team as well who are also very high caliber experts, know their stuff, really, um, you know, have that passion for getting into the weeds um, and finding a way to make it work. Um, And and obviously then a concentration on connecting with clients through social media. So whether that's TikTok or Instagram or YouTube, Facebook, all of that, um, just because that's, you know, that's really been a, a, a proven model for us.
0: All right, so let, let's get into that because I see yeah. uh, I'm I'm on a few different fences here when you start talking about content creation, right? When we start talking about social yeah. media, I see the benefit of every single one. Uh, I I find myself getting on all of them, right? Uh, but at right. the same time, I see a lot of people just focusing on one. First off, you you go across every single, pretty much all the main platforms, correct?
1: Correct. Yes, I do now. So as a disclaimer, uh, I do, I do now, but that has been a work in progress. I really started using video, um, experimenting with video, I'd say in 2018, late 2018, um, and then using it a lot more strategically in 2019, and then decided to start dabbling or basically, I just thought TikTok was a way to edit videos, you know, easily for, um, you know, for vertical orientation versus horizontal. And I um, thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll see what it's all about. You know, um, my teenage daughter can show me and Gary V says it's where we're supposed to be. So sure, why not? Um, and lo and behold, people wanted to know about mortgages. So um, that caught me off guard. Um, you know, certainly, right. certainly didn't expect that. Thought it was like cat videos and dancing. Um, and then it just started to really kind of snowball from there um, into then really, really mastering, you know, content creation as short form video. And, um, and then being able to expand that across other, you know, being an early adopter and then being able to expand that across different platforms.
0: Okay. So hold on here. So, so it's exactly what are you doing with this content creation? Like, is it, because I've seen a lot of different things. I've seen people, you know, like do the the normal TikToks where it's like the the TikTok dance per se. Point, um, I've seen yeah. people yeah, exactly. And I've I've seen other people that like they focus on like what their business does, or they focus on, hey, you know, uh, mortgage one on one to prospective buyer, buyers. What are you doing? Or you, you just do it all?
1: So I do a little, a bit of all of it. Um, simply because they're the, the way it, it's kind of like how the different social media platforms all have a place. Um, I think where they're falling short is that they're trying to poach and mimic each other versus having, you know, kind of this is where you go for this type of content and this is where you go for this type of content. And as a result, that's why some of that con- some of my personal content then will kind of cross, you know, sort of cross-pollinate as well. Um but a lot of times really I think what was different was it was not just the trends, right? Like it wasn't just kind of telling um a funny joke and having it be a real estate punchline or the pointing videos or that kind of stuff because part of the reason that I really really had just really enjoyed creating on TikTok was because at the time it was really the only video only platform right i mean mm-hmm. from the standpoint of short form video because yes you can go to YouTube and you can get the 15 minute video on the pluses and minuses of all the different mortgage insurance structure but sometimes people are like I don't have 15 minutes, like give me the bullet points. And so it's quick, it's to the point, it's little bite sized building blocks of information. And let's face it, what we do can be very boring if it is not something that either you have a passion and interest, passion for or interest in, or you're actively going through the home buying process, right? So a lot of times people, buyers early in the process, all they know is I want a house. And um, I don't really know how to get it, but I do know that I like these homes that I'm seeing on Zillow. And so the the beauty of short form video, when it's those little snippets of information that starts to build up that knowledge foundation, it is something that is short enough, easily digestible enough that somebody who is maybe three, six, nine months, or even more out from their target purchase date, they can still relate to it. They can still start to and or can start to answer some of those initial, how do I even go about this questions? Um, so that's one thing from really just spreading financial literacy, connecting with, you know, connecting with clients early in the process, but also it's, um, it, it just lends itself really well to, again, when we're explaining a complex concept, even if it's something that's not first-time home buyer ed or, or credit, you're getting into, you know, some of the more complex loan types we had to learn it one step at a time, one, one kind of little concept at a time. And it's basically deconstructing all of that knowledge that you and I have that's second nature. Right. right. Um, and really being able to back off of that and break that down. So it is easier to build off of and retain as well as because with TikTok being video only, um, it's, it it's built for video. I know that sounds very remedial, but it is versus, <laughs> but I know Instagram what you mean or, or Facebook, right? Like when you're putting a video on Facebook and Instagram um, less so now, but certainly very much in 2019, you know, 2020, a video was a disruptor to that scroll. So if it's, you know, somebody has to stop, not, you know, just heart or like, like the meme or, you know, read the text, but they have to stop, watch the video If you don't have captions, you know, scrolling on by. So the reason that TikTok is so special is because it was video only. It really fast tracks that, you know, parasocial relationship that we establish with people that we see on video. We say, you know, we know them or we feel like a celebrity. We know them. We don't know them. We just know who they are when they're coming through our screens. And it's the same kind of principle is people immediately are more engaged with that content because it is something that's dynamic versus static, like a LinkedIn post, like a Instagram, you know, um, carousel or something. And as a result, people are more likely to ask their questions. And the reason that I loved it was it gave me that, you know, direct insight. What did people really want to know about? I might know what I think you need to know, but what I need, what I need to be creating content for is what you actually care about, what you want to know about. And then that just turned into, you know, kind of a really positive, um, snowball from the standpoint of create a video, it gets questions. It lets me know what people want to know. It helps me refine my messaging. Um, and also it's, it's allowed me to be very, very tuned in with where kind of buyer sentiment is outside of just what we're seeing maybe in the data.
0: Right. I got I see what you're saying. Well, okay. How do you go through this process though? I mean, like it, it 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 just can't. I I knowing you, it's not just oh I want to do a TikTok and here I go. It's I'm sure it's pretty probably well thought out. I'm sure that you probably have some ideas. So what's your process with that? And for example, how many times are you posting a week?
1: I post on average at least six to seven times a week on oh wow. TikTok, Instagram, YouTube. Facebook and then LinkedIn is pared down a little bit, but, but close to that. So, so it's, it, it, it paces out to almost daily.
0: Okay. And then, so when you're thinking of content here, right? Mm-hmm. So like I can put together a schedule. Okay. I'm going to post, you know, I think Gary V at one time said 19 times a day. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, what? Like, but dude, uh, Gary, I
1: have a full-time job. I still have actual people. I'm not a content <laughs> creator full-time. I actually have loan officer duties to do right. Like once yeah. is good. <laughs>
0: Yeah. When you said 19, I was like, what? But you got to come up with content and you got to come up with an idea. How are are you doing that? Now, I I would like to know, are you doing that? I wake up in the morning and this is what's going on in the industry or is it I got it? I know what's going on for the next month.
1: It's a combination of both. So I really I really have two pillars for my content or sort of two processes. So one of them, um, which is a little bit easier to, to describe, is is kind of a little bit more of sort of the, you know, top of, you know, top of mind. Hey, this is what happens in the market, or this is what we're seeing happen in rates, or um, a client asked me a question and just, I just want to, you know, turn my camera on, record a quick video, hope that it brings value, you know, to somebody and have it be that more casual conversation. Just essentially I always tell people, I'm like, pretend like you're FaceTiming a friend right. It doesn't mm-hmm. have to be this whole production thing. It does not have to be the full, you know, YouTube with the moody lighting and, and all the, you know, kind of special effects. It's just talk to people. It People forget that aspect of social media. It is meant to be social. Okay. So that, that there is space for that in my content, or just that I do see a trend and I think it's funny and I want to make it mostly for my own dopamine hit. And maybe other people will think it's funny too. Right. The stuff right. that I am more strategic about is I do work with a um, videography company from the standpoint of early when I was really figuring that this is going to be, you know, truly a, a, a part of my business and not just kind of this fun hobby. Um, I wanted to make sure that some of my content was elevated a little bit, right? Because, hi, I'm a mortgage banker. I'm great with numbers. You should see me with the spreadsheet. I am phenomenal with guidelines. I don't know, like... Uh, the whole triangle of how to figure out a perfect shot or how to get lighting. Like that's not me, right? I'm not, I didn't go to art school. That's not the way my brain works. (laughs) Um, And I just wanted it to look well. But what that meant is it also forced me to be very strategic in the content that I was recording with them because hello, I'm paying them. So if it's a bomb, it's uh, a little bit, you know, the stakes are a little bit higher than if it's just me and my phone, you know, in my office. So what I do now is I almost think about kind of um, begin with the end in mind. And what I mean by that is my content calendar, I've gotten to the point that I know on Monday, this is what I'll post. On Tuesday, this is what I'll post. Um, And I really use my Instagram as kind of the um, uh, sort of the framework for that, right? So people will say, they're like, the grid on your Instagram is so pretty. Do I have to do that? Absolutely not. The only reason I do that is because I'm an order Muppet and it keeps me on track because I know if I've like done my post for the week or not, right? So you don't have to make it look like that. But I know that for each of those days, I have a dedicated piece of content that's going to go out, meaning Monday, it's typically going to be a kind of overview. Um, then Tuesday, I have a personal, you know, I have something, I have a picture or something that's a little bit more kind of slice of life. And then I have three videos, I have a review, and then typically I'll do another picture and then something that's a little bit funnier, you know, kind of the the trends, you know, or like I said, sort of the dopamine hit, you know, video just to lighten it. So I'm not like, you know, just look like this, like mortgage machine, you know, or robot or something. And so what I do is I take that framework and work backwards from that. So I know that I'm going to shoot a month's worth of content at a time. That means that I need to have 12 videos. Great. Okay. So I was shooting any old 12 videos, like any ideas that came to mind And then I thought, okay, I can be more strategic with this. And what I do now is I essentially have a theme or a topic for each week. And so then those three videos will tie back to that original theme or original topic, which corresponds to the video that I do on Monday. And then I build the videos off of that. So it's not like it's part one, two, and three. I call them my triplets because it's basically like they're related, but they're each individual standalone videos. And then from there, I pick what the topic is. I go ahead and either bullet out or or script out what I'm going to talk about. We right. film it. And then and then it moves back into essentially the slots that I already had in my mind that I needed to fill.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that, that's a lot. It seems like a lot. How do you see this is this is my big fear with everything, is that I may post on Facebook and I know it connects to Instagram. Is there something out there that connects them all? So you only have to do it like one time? Or do you have to like physically go into each social media, maybe copy and paste, but kind of put right. it in that way.
1: So yes and no. Um, so I I'm, I finished the thought kind of on the production side and I know that that sounds a lot, but I wanted to say for the stuff that I'm not doing that's that strategic, that's not, that's a little bit more kind of ad hoc or just top of mind. Um, I still have a process for that that I think anybody can do, right? You don't have to have this grand calendar and like plan it all out and begin with the end in mind if you don't want to, that's just the way my brain works. But I do feel like that there is a lot of value in batching how you're creating your content. So that probably looks like batch writing your ideas or getting your numbers together if you're maybe comparing FHA to conventional or how much does it cost to buy in a certain state. So I kind of get all of that staged up and ready to go. And then I will shoot, you know, four to six videos at a time. A lot of times I do them on the weekend, right? Because it takes me hour, hour and a half sometimes to to shoot those. And then, I so I batch... Um, essentially brainstorm, batch film, and then I will edit typically then as a one-off and then post. So I'm not a person that I can like take an idea from start to finish because I will go down a rabbit hole. I will, whatever. It's just easier for me if I kind of task block it versus idea to post in one fell swoop. So both of those processes work really well for me. Um, And then from the standpoint, as far as how do you use that across different platforms to answer your question, yes and no, um, there's a great piece of software called Repurpose. Um, the website's repurpose.io, and what that will allow you to do is connect all your accounts. So if you have a main source account, and that's what I always tell people, is don't feel like you have to be across all platforms or that you have to master all platforms simultaneously. It is entirely too much. Master one, get really comfortable with one, and then use that to then ripple out and understand a second one and then a third one. Um, because the thing you have to understand is just because it's content, not all content is going to work on every platform, meaning think about each platform as kind of different social events, right? You're bringing a different self. If you're going to a, you know, if you're going to a business mixer, right? A business happy hour versus if you're going to your neighborhood cookout. Um, right. You'll probably talk about business, but it's going to be really awkward and people are going to kind of give you the side eye if you walk up, you know, like with your plate of barbecue and your business card and you're like, hey, you know, like, uh, let me talk to you about mortgage rates and be like, whoa, like, can we just socialize first? Can we just kind of like, I want to hear about it, but not like with all that energy. So you have to learn some of those different platforms and why different content will resonate on, on different ones, right? Like if you bring your LinkedIn self to TikTok, it's like, wow that's a suit, you know, that's a stiff, but you know, vice versa. Sometimes like that's a little bit too casual. Um, So from that standpoint, repurpose is really great because you can connect all your accounts and really start with one, you know, post to Facebook or post to Instagram, and then it posts to the others, because at least, at least you're showing up. Right. And that's a lot of times is, it's very easy for us all to overthink all of this, but specifically from the standpoint of like, gosh, like it's got to be It's gotta be perfect, or it's gotta like I I got a thousand views on this and I got 50 views over here. Really does not matter because you have to remember 50 views, 50 people saw your content. It probably could have helped at least one of those people. It was still a valid use of your time. It was still great information to put out. But being able to understand, you know, where you need to be in what manner is part of it. The other thing is at least execution is going to outdo perfection every day of the week and twice on Sunday. Um so at least using something, whether you're doing it manually or you are using a service like repurpose that can push it out will help because at least you're showing up. Um, I will say the this is a thousand percent not data driven, right? So (laughs) opposite the way that our brains work. This is just gut feel. Um, I do think particularly with YouTube, because that's what I'm personally focusing on this year, is is learning YouTube and growing it. So I'm taking my own advice. Um, I do think that's specifically for YouTube, I think that they throttle videos that come from third-party services. And I have heard that before, that different platforms will sort of say, hey, you know, like, sure, you can post, we're not going to block you, but we're not going to incentivize you. Because, you know, sort of the, the dark and twisty side of that is on social media, we're the product, right? They're selling ads right. to market to us. And so we have our highest value to these platforms, the longer that we stay on there. And if I'm using a third party software to push, and yes, the content's on there, but I'm not really on there, I'm not really engaging, well, then I'm not as valuable. So they're going to, again, throttle You know that those videos being pushed out. It's the same thing of whatever the process is. And we can talk about a couple options wherever you're creating that content, if you're creating it in app. So for example, let's say you're doing Facebook Reels, you don't want to just download that and post it everywhere because it's going to have the Instagram watermark. So TikTok won't like it, YouTube won't like it, and vice versa as you're switching between those platforms. So it you have to figure out where that balance is of, you know, the kind of the ROI on do I get a better payoff of manually doing this, even if I have it staged up, right? Like if Mm -hmm. I have a video staged up, I I know what the caption is going to be, I have the video, I maybe even have the cover, you know, like for Instagram, it's still gonna take me probably five to 10 minutes if I'm manually uploading it to the various places that I upload it to just to get it in there and make sure the text is right, make sure I'm tagging my location, all that kind of stuff. But the payoff for me is higher because I can get more views. So for example, on on YouTube, when I was just pushing stuff, views were, some, I mean, I was lucky if I was getting in the double digits. I mean, and if I got in triple digits, that was popping off, right? That was big <laughs> for me. Um, and then tweaking that a little bit um uh, manually uploading it um, getting a little bit more intentional with the way that I was titling them and stuff like that then now I'm getting thousands of views and I still only have under like 600 followers so it's just it's it's constant my biggest advice is just experiment just get started and experiment and that's the thing is people feel like they have to come out of the gate and be perfect and if you do that you are going to not only uh, you know, short yourself. But there is somebody out there that needs the information that you can share that's not getting it because you think it has to be delivered perfectly. It just doesn't.
0: Yep. I've always been a big believer in that. It's Don't try to be perfect. I remember when I first started doing videos for AIM, I think I was doing like 12 takes and then they just got worse. They legitimately right. got worse. And because well, you resist- get like
1: tighter and tighter. You're like, oh, that's another one. Just let it flow. Just, it's fine. Just, just start A-P-M- and you- then do better next no. time all right if
0: you mess up oh well i mean as long as it's not the wrong information if you mess <laughs> up you can even say sorry sorry people appreciate that they really do and they buy in more
1: yeah well and yeah. that's I'm, I'm i'm a little tired of uh it's, it's kind of getting a little played out but people talk about on social media like be authentic be authentic and yes uh yes be authentic um because the camera you know what adds 10 pounds and takes away like 15 percent of our personality like let your real self come through. Again, we're talking about a pretty dry topic. at least look like you're excited to, you know, be here. Nobody's you know making you do it. Um, but it's really more about being willing to be unique. And nobody can copy you. So the way that you explain things, the way that you show up, what you think is funny, even you know, injecting humor into those videos, that is a that is a vulnerable process um because you're putting yourself out there for, public consumption, ridicule, all those kind of things. And it's, it's tough, right? Because until you start getting some of that feedback of like, yes, thank you. This is so helpful. And yes, this is exactly what I was looking for. You feel like you're just shouting into the void. Why would I, why would I willingly choose to put myself in such an uncomfortable position, but understanding that it's going through that process and being consistent and being willing to do it consistently for three, six months, sometimes longer, there is a payoff at the end because you will find your people. They will find you and they will identify with you as your true unique self versus trying to be some persona or avatar or whatever you think that people want to be. Just be yourself. You've already connected with people in real life. It's really no different online.
0: And last piece of advice before we, we have to hit on your process and procedures real quick. The last piece of advice, if they don't like it, oh, well, it's okay it's, it's okay yeah you can't be everybody's okay. cup of tea nope you cannot you cannot all right process procedures i, I got you yes. for like five more minutes here sure. all right because i know you're extremely good at this i've heard great things about this tell me what your intake is like how how do you take a file in how do you get it from start to finish how do you keep it from being so such a high touch file with the underwriters and getting it clear to close fast
1: For sure. So I'll go through it really quickly. We respect our time. So I really try to drive people to at least schedule an intake call. Um, So I'll have, you know, people that find me on social and they'll submit an application and that sounds great. And it is, and I appreciate their trust, but for me, I want to know what their story is. So I really try to drive people to book a call through my Calendly link and I'll just ask them, what's your story? And we just go through it. So at least I have that in mind. I take those as notes that I then scan into our CRM our team has a LOA team and intake team that then is, you know, doing the initial review of the file. Do we have all docs, all those kind of things, the initial structuring, if they have specialized questions, obviously that's what I'm here for, but a lot of it is just, it's going back to that algebra equation, right? It's just, it's just the man hours to do the algebra equation and chase docs. Um, and then we work towards being a very, very solid ideally fully docked pre-approval because although I lend in um, 29 states at this point, I am based out of North Carolina and our North Carolina contract has what's called a due diligence. And on that contract, basically, if the buyer goes past the due diligence date, not only do they lose their due diligence money, but they also lose their earnest money. And in 2020, 2021, I mean, that's when people were doing these crazy $20,000, $30,000, $40,000 deposits. And that was it that's, that's their money and they're putting it on there. So we better be damn sure that I have them fully pre-approved and I'm not putting their money at risk. So that's really reinforced that for our team that we have to have that level of pre-approval. And then that then on the back end, um, obviously builds a strong relationship with the client and make sure that they have a smooth process once it gets into underwriting, because, we really shouldn't have any surprises. You know, as long as nobody's buying boats or quitting jobs or you know, something goes on with the house, we've already answered all the questions. We've already laid it all out in the open. It's been documented, sometimes even pre-underwritten, and it just allows for a smoother process.
0: Love it. Absolutely love it. And I know you're one of the best at it. So, and Thank and you. I I know I can say this that it, you know, to people that are listening, if you need help on your Content creation, file intake process—you know, Rebecca and her team is always available. That's that's like the one rule we have at Aim. You know, we're not going to take yep. advantage. But if you want to pick her brain, I'm telling you, because I've learned so much from this right now. Because this is the one thing that I know um, that I'm slacking on quite a bit is social media. Um, I mean, I put myself out there a lot to the community, but then also for my company, my Priority Mortgage, mm-hmm. I got to do more of it. I have mm-hmm. to do more of it. So absolutely, I know I, mean, it's, I know so what I'm doing. Going I'm away. What'd you say? I'm sorry. I know I know what I'm doing after this.
1: That's right. That's right. You go make a video and you tag me because I want to see it.
0: Oh, done. I will make a video and tag you in this one and say this is all because of you, Rebecca.
1: There you go. <laughs> I'm I'm here for it.
0: Well, I appreciate that. Well, hey, listen, I, I really appreciate your time. Um, this this was awesome. We we could probably do like a two part series on this one because I know you had a lot more, you know. You you obviously are very, very, you know, expertise in this one and and I'm probably gonna pick your brain too, if that's okay.
1: Absolutely. And I, and I always love to, because to your point is um, I am very much an open book because it is not, you know, I'm not trying to gatekeep any, you know, content creation secrets or stuff like that, because I know that we have a, an amazing community, you know, within the broker community to that we can then serve our homeowners, our communities and things like that. So whatever I can do to help get more information out there and fight some of the misinformation, I'm here for it 100% of the time.
0: That's why you're a mentor. That's why I love it. <laughs> so, all right, Rebecca, well, thank you so much. Really appreciate your time. Um, yeah, I'm definitely going to promote this podcast because we have to be out on social more and more and, and putting the right stuff out there. Um, some of some of these posts crack me up. I'm not going to get into it because some people be like, oh, wait, that's what I post. But anyways, it is what it is. But Rebecca, I just want to thank you for joining us today. It was It was a huge help.
1: My pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right.
0: No problem. So brokers, if you want to get caught up on all of our past podcast episodes, please head over to aimgroup.com backslash broker to broker. You can also listen to all the broker to broker podcast episodes on iTunes, Spotify, Apple, anywhere else where you can get it, where you can download podcasts, do me a favor, rate it, review it, uh, subscribe to it, download it, whatever it is. It helps us get the podcast out there and spread the word that brokers are better. And Rebecca, you are one of them. And thank you so much. Thank you. Do you love our podcast but want more content? Subscribe to AIM National on YouTube. You'll find updates on AIM initiatives and highlights of our events, and you'll get access to our free library of helpful how-to videos.